Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1995's The Celluloid Closet, directed by Jeffrey Friedman and Robert Epstein. But before we talk about this movie, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched The Marriage of Maria Braun. Um, it's another Fossbender flick that I found mm. on Criterion. And um, I'm, I'm going to bust through that guy's whole filmography here uh, soon. And uh, yeah, this is a very excellent movie um, about uh, post-war Germany and um, a, a woman who like sort of just becomes a captain of industry just kind of based on her wits. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, it really blew me away, actually. It's a great movie. When, what year is it? Um, I believe it's from 78. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I have not seen any of his films, actually. I've mm. It's a big hole in my repertoire here. It was a hole in mine yeah. as well for yeah. a while, but and I'm 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 working through it. Once I get finished with it, then uh, you know, then, then <laughs> maybe, I guess you, maybe you'll, I'll start. you'll take it up. Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> I'll do it. That sounds good. Yeah, I watched uh, All the King's Men from 1949. Have you seen this one? Um, it, I have not seen it. It was a uh, best picture that year. Mm-hmm. It's uh, starring Broderick Crawford. Was fantastic in this movie. Won best actor. Right. And I I found this on a list of the best not talked about Oscar winners, mm-hmm. and this was on uh, up on the list. And man, this movie was pretty great. Right. It's about uh, uh corruption and politicians and stuff. This man's a very you know solid guy, mm-hmm. and he you know gets corrupt. It's kind of a Citizen Kane type story yeah. in a way. Uh, but man, it's a really good movie, and it's very interesting. Uh, John Ireland's in it too. Nice. And he's he's really good in it. Right. I don't know if he was nominated, but. Wow, this movie is really awesome. Every, I think everyone should watch All the King's Men from yeah. 1949. I've heard nothing but great things about it, and it's just one of those things where, it, yeah, it just gets missed, And uh-huh. uh, but I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, so now let's talk about The Celluloid Closet, Dave. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Okay, so The Celluloid Closet, this is a personal favorite of mine, um, and it's based on actually my favorite book about the cinema uh, of the same name, The Celluloid Closet, mm-hmm. written in 1981 by a film critic named Vito Russo. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, there was never a real serious study, like a, a very exhaustive study done on this subject, which is like homosexuality as represented in the movies. Mm-hmm. And so the, the documentary was made 14 years later after Vito had unfortunately passed away. And they interview um, a bunch of people from the film community, actors and writers and other people who are just, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. intellectuals about this subject. And they go through... Um, from like the beginning of film until yeah. the present day, uh, mm-hmm. talking about you know like how how everything has been portrayed, whether fairly or unfairly, in cinema. Yeah, and it it's pretty exhaustive too. It really yeah. gets into stuff you've never heard of, and you're like, wow, I can't believe that. Yes, and it, it, it's a 1995 film. Yeah, and it, it ends with like the sign of hope, like okay, mm-hmm. movies are finally starting to right. show things like normally. Right. <laughs> But it's still another 10 years until something happens, you know? You're right. Like, uh, like, it's funny to see the end of this movie and think, oh, yeah, you still got to wait a little bit. That kind of sucks, man. That sucks. It really does. Because they're all kind of excited about yeah. like new queer cinema uh-huh. that's happening in the early 90s. And they're like showing clips from like the hours and times and the living right. end. And you're like, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this maybe this is looking up. But no, yeah. it's not. It, it'll still be 10 years before Brokeback Mountain is eliminated. Yeah. And then another 10 for Moonlight. Yep. Yep. All right. So... <laughs> Um, the movie starts right at the beginning. Like yeah. it's it, the, the dancing brothers, you know, 
the uh, experimental uh, who, Thomas Edison. It's film? a Thomas Edison yeah. movie. Yeah, um, just uh, an experiment in motion. Yeah, uh, that he was just that they were just filming to see if they could capture people moving on camera, and he they very innocently have two men dancing a waltz in front of a phonograph, mm-hmm. and. Like, this became an iconic image for a couple of reasons. Number mm-hmm. one, because they could prove that, you know, you could capture moving images, but mm-hmm. also because uh, for an audience who felt invisible, they're seeing this and going, oh, why is that up there? Yeah. And this is kind of <laughs> cool, you know, like th- they were enjoying it on another level. Um, and Yeah, I don't think it was meant to be like nope. a gay statement at no. all. It was just, hey, these are my assistants. Let's yes. see if this works. You, you know? guys work here. Get in front of the camera. Right. You know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the interns. Exactly, yeah. they they were just hanging out, <laughs> and then it moves through the the movie. Actually, opens the the documentary opens with this just clip from an old movie from called Wonder Bar, uh, where Al Jolson is mm-hmm, conducting mm-hmm. an orchestra, and he he's they're, they're they're playing, and there's this dance going on, and the, this couple is dancing together, and a guy comes over to the couple and says, "Do you mind if I cut in?" Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman says, "Of course not." And he goes for the dude. Yeah, he he goes to dance with the dude. Right. And the, the girl's like, oh. Yeah, she's kind of put Jolson out. And then says something funny. And he then, says, <laughs> uh, boys will be boys. And, uh, <laughs> and then we can, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Al Jolson has this kind of, like, look on his face that's kind of like, oh, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. It, it's it's kind of shocking to see that stuff in old movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were being, like, sort of that uh, upfront about it. Mm-hmm. Because... For the most part, in older films, um, especially like from like twenties like, and thirties, yeah, from the twenties yeah. and thirties, you had these archetypes that that the that the book and the movie gets into, mm-hmm. and at this time, what they're calling the sissy character mm-hmm. is is most dominant, and that's just a uh, like a stock character in movies from this time, um, who were kind of sexless, yeah, uh, you know, and they they were played mostly by a few like a handful of actors like Eric Belor, Edward Everett Horton, Franklin Pangborn. And there were just these guys who were around the the, the leads. They, they were like friends with the male lead or the female lead. Yeah. And they kind of just existed in this, uh, I don't know, like like a tertiary way. But the thing that makes them kind of acceptable in the in the scenes is because they weren't they weren't really discriminated against. They were no. they were just there to be kind of charming and witty, and everyone kind of included them and stuff. Right. But it was still but it's still seen by a lot of people as a harmful stereotype because they were acting very effeminate and very stereotypically gay. Right. And they weren't allowed to do anything more than that. No. They were just there for pro- mainly like a laugh every now and then, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Which is sadly what you know being gay in a film has been yes. you know relegated to. Right. Uh, for. Ever, you know, it, it, so, it went for yeah. like eighty years. Yeah. That's that was the case. Yeah. So they were just there to crack a joke every now and then, say right. something about how the flowers looked good, and that was like, oh, he's gay. That's hilarious. Yes. You know I- exactly. Yeah. That's all it was. And, <laughs> and like for a gay audience, they could look at it and go, okay, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm being included somehow. And like Harvey Firestein, like the throughout the throughout the movie, there's these talking heads. Yes, yes, he's good. And yeah. and Harvey Firestein has a great line after <laughs> Arthur Lawrence, the screenwriter from Rope, talks about how much he hated the sissies uh-huh. um, and how they were disgusting and unfunny and had no business being there. They cut to Harvey Firestein's interview and he says, <laughs> I like the sissy. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though it was negative, uh, he said, I, I just wanted visibility and uh, visibility and, at any cost is yes. what he says he's all about. Exactly. So, yeah. And then he says, and also because I am a sissy. Yeah. I was laughing at I, this. I, I was thought like, that was Harvey. Funny. You are funny, dude. <laughs> Harvey's he's a hilarious guy. guy. He is. Like, yeah. He's so funny. <laughs> I love that when he goes, 
at the end, he just tags it on. Also, I am a sissy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very self-aware yeah, thing it's to say. Really funny. And, and, and it's also like just a, a good indication of, of how different audiences can, you know, people can watch the same movie and come away with something completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arthur Lawrence has a point about it being um, very harmful to have this stuff in there. And and even though I just got done talking about how they, they weren't really discriminated against, I mean, I'm sure that someone in 1926 who was gay was watching this film mm-hmm. would, would say, you know, I don't want that up there. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And why isn't that why isn't that man allowed to have, you know, a, a partner? Why, why can't we see his romantic life? Why mm-hmm. can't we fret about, you know, what's going on in his thing? How come we're just always Gary Cooper? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's, that's that's the twenties, right? I guess right, <laughs> the thirties. Exactly. The old... And a lot of this was because of the Hayes Code. Yes, Will Hayes was put in charge of policing the film industry, basically. And yep, now you know he's blamed for basically ruining free speech in the movies and making everything stock and terrible, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, non-expressive and uh, fake. Basically, you know, <laughs> real life's not like this. Right. Uh, but yeah, you, no swearing, nope. you know, no kissing, no nothing, you know. And people couldn't stay in, like, a married couple couldn't even be seen in the same bed together. Yeah. Um, if you watch old films and TV, you, you, you notice that there's two twin beds in the room with, like, mm-hmm. a, a nightstand between them. You, you couldn't show, uh, like, murder going unpunished. Um, yeah. They, 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 they have a whole list of all the stuff that's in there. Uh, mm-hmm. White slavery was one of them, uh, also. Which, which? Oh I, yeah, I white like, slavery. What the hell are you talking about white slavery? <laughs> that, so you know, um, but black slavery is fine. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. so. You know, it, it's it. It was so so wrongheaded, mm-hmm. and and yeah, when Will Hayes came in, it was like it, it was a reaction to. Um, most films from the teens and the twenties, they, they they were showing kind of real life. I mean, like there was stuff in it that was they were showing stuff yeah. that you see today. Yes, like there's there's nudity. There's mm-hmm. Weird imagery, right? Violence, yep. Like it was like it is now. Yes. And they said, "Hey, we can't have this." Yeah, the Catholic Legion of Decency mm-hmm. was 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 threatening to to uh, like exp- you know d- do something to to really hurt the film industry and mm-hmm. and um and you know impose censorship. So the film heads got to the the studio heads got together and they they brought in Will Hayes to mm-hmm. kind of self police so that the Legion of Decency wouldn't be able to do and, it. And that's why the '30s and '40s are so just a gel of all the same stuff. Everything's yes. the same right. in the, this, these two decades. Like it's hard to find something that's truly unique because yeah. a lot of it's all derivative, derivative of each other because of this code. Mm-hmm. So no one had freedom to write stuff, but they were subversive. Like, yes, they were. Cause a lot of the writers do stuff very subversive, which is great. Uh-huh. They, they go into, um, red river. <laughs> how, uh, <laughs> It's Montgomery Clift and yep, John Ireland. My, yep, John Ireland. John Ireland. There uh-huh. you go. And Montgomery Clift yep. talking about their guns. <laughs> hey, that's a big gun you got there. <laughs> you want to hold mine? Like, oh, that is not subtle. No, but it got th- like no one even picked up on that. They're just out there like, hey, that was nice. Try it again. I know. And, oh God, it's just so funny. And at the end, they're like, okay. And John Ireland goes, okay, keep it going. Yeah, L- like keep it going. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing this like one more. Oh. One more, like they're shooting a can. <laughs> yeah, they're you shooting know? a can, and they want to keep going with it because it's like you know, it's kind of unmistakable when you look at it out of context. Yeah, like yeah, that. and and yeah, the Jay Preston Allen, the screenwriter from uh, Cabaret, was is talks about like that exact scene, and she was like, you know, these these people at the Hayes office, and later the Joseph Green office, mm-hmm. they 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 weren't real sharp. 
I mean, yeah. they, they, they stuff got in because these guys didn't have that sensibility. It was, mm-hmm. it was all about, hey, what's the most obvious thing that's going to like offend right. people? Mm-hmm. So they didn't understand subtext. They didn't understand subtlety. Yeah. And so when you have a scene like this <laughs> or the stuff that's in rope... I mean, it just got yeah. by. Was John Wayne on the set that day? I you think. Or? Yeah, I, I imagine he was, and he probably didn't get it either. No, he was probably just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, guns. exactly." All he's seeing is a gun. He has no idea about sexuality. He has no idea about subversiveness. I mean, everything is just so surface with him and everybody uh-huh, at the yeah. Hayes office. Oh my god. Yeah, rope was pretty good too. Yes, because he's talking about how it felt to kill the person. Yep, and you could just no, they're talking about having sex with each other. <laughs> That's what it is, you know? He's like, at first it was, I felt nothing. Then electricity or whatever. I, I don't tremendous know Tremendous exhilaration. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then he's like, he's kind of spent like out of breath. He goes, how did you feel? And yeah. Farley Granger is just like, has this, this look of, of like, <laughs> like he, he's experiencing some kind of sexuality in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, like you, you could not watch this then or now and not pick up on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these censors didn't. Yeah. And a lot of the audience yeah, didn't either. That's true. I mean, you know, people nowadays don't pick up on this stuff. Course. So, I mean, we talked about Starship Troopers. Yeah. That's a whole subtlety there. That's, that's a right. whole movie. That's right. And, uh, no one no one picks up on that. No, uh, uh, exactly. They, they didn't notice the allegory. And, and that that's that's kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I realize that, that that a critical audience is different than a regular just movie going. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. But but it but it still seems like kind of unbelievable that someone couldn't pick up on something that is to us this obvious, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So the snails and oysters scene is another example. Yeah. When we did our Spartacus episode, that was my favorite part of that movie, and that was cut out. Right. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, folks, go listen to it because it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And the scene was cut out. It's Tony Curtis and excuse me, Lawrence Olivier, and they're in a like a bath. And Tony Curtis is like his body servant and has to like bathe Lawrence Olivier in this thing. And there's the <laughs> curtains draped. It's it's a sexy scene. Yeah. And they're talking about snails and oysters. Well, do you like snails or do you like oysters? Well, I, I like both, you know. <laughs> it's such a great scene. It and is. They cut that out of the movie because it was, they figured out it was subversive. Yes. And they got rid of it. Would they have figured it out if it was just the two men standing in a room fully clothed? Like with suits on? Yes. Like, Probably not. Yeah. But because he's has them rubbing a sponge on him, I mean, <laughs> they can they figured it out. Yeah, that, 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 that one, they, they picked up on it, you know? <laughs> they probably just took it out because they're both half nude rubbing each other. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're both shirtless men. Yeah. And, and like, and you can tell that in the scene they're that, like... They're greased up, too, man. Yes. Their muscles are, like, yes. glistening. And Laurence Olivier <laughs> is, is like, it, it's shot kind of, like, uh, from, from a little further away. Uh-huh. But you can still tell Laurence Olivier's face is kind of... He's got this, like, lascivious look mm-hmm. in his eye. He's a, mm-hmm. As he kind of periodically looks at Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, my taste include both snails and oysters. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so good. It is. They, they do a ton of examples of this in the documentary. Right. It's really good. And Tony Curtis is being interviewed for the documentary. And yeah talking about you know like what went into it and uh mm-hmm. and how he he tried to play it you know he he laments the fact that the scene was cut out oh yeah and he goes and then they cut it yep you know right he he, he, he does not agree with that decision nope. um and he even talks about some like it hot because yeah. you know they're they're dressing <laughs> as women which was the big gag yes. you know like they go into how a man in women's clothes equals a laugh yeah that that's what that's the thought process back then that's right like that still happens in movies today fairly pervasive it yes. does yeah but you st- you get lots of like drag queen movies and things like mm-hmm. so 
there is the other aspect out there where it's not funny. It's just people are like this. Yes. But- yes. And also then they, they get into like while while they had the, the sissy character in the thirties. Yes. Um it, it kind of moved into uh this you mentioned how like a man in a dress is just thought of as a joke. Yeah. I and mean, it's always like that that's that's the punchline. It's just mm-hmm. the whole joke is the man is in the dress. And then they get into what it's like when a woman assumes a male persona. Yeah. And how it's not a joke. Right. There's nothing funny about it because it's almost like her sexuality is now like uh, something to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And it can be threatening to a male in the audience uh, because this woman is now like take uh, assuming, you know, male aggression in some ways. And they show a clip from Morocco from 1930 mm-hmm. where Marlena Dietrich walks in um, a club of some kind. Yeah. With the stage. You yes. Know, and she's wearing her tuxedo. And- yep. It's got a top hat and yeah. a tuxedo, mm-hmm. and she's smoking a cigarette very, you know, like mm-hmm. majestically. And she walks up to a woman at a table and asks her if she can have this flower. And the woman says, okay. And then Marlena kisses her on the mm-hmm. lips. And this is in a movie in 1930. Mm-hmm. And the the, audi- the people who are in the scene in the club, they all kind of laugh and clap at this gesture. Yeah. Like, wow, that was great. Yeah, hey, this is awesome. <laughs> and Gary Cooper, you know, is is kind of uh, really interested in this, you know, mainly because Marlena Dietrich is so beautiful, but also because of, hey, what'd she just do over there? Now I'm really intrigued. Mm-hmm. And then they show the clips from Queen Christina where Greta Garbo is, is playing the queen and she kisses a woman on the lips. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she has that famous line where, where she's playing the queen of Sweden and the, one of her counselors says, you know, your majesty, you can't die an old maid. And mm-hmm. she says, I have no intention to chancellor. Mm-hmm. I shall die a bachelor. Yep. <laughs> Which is, a, I mean, it's excellent. It, That's it's, a great it's, line. It's a great for, line. For so many reasons. Yes, totally. And you know what they're getting at. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and they, they left it in because it, it got by the censors. Because um, it plays for straight. Yes. You know, it doesn't yes. have to be gay. Right. It works on any level. Mm-hmm. But that's not what they were going for. Of course. We right. all know she was gay. Yes, yes. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, people. It's okay. <laughs> it was fine then, it's fine yeah. now. I mean Will I, Hayes. Yes, Will Hayes. And and Joseph Breen is probably like he he's he's the guy that they, they have like clips of clips of his interview where he's talking about like the, the reason for the mm-hmm. uh, for the office to exist and he says that, you know, uh our our job is to um you know, cheap sex jokes and dirty dialogue are not wanted and decent people mm-hmm. don't like this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's our job to make sure they get none of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, as a, as a movie audience mm-hmm. or even just as a, I guess as a thinking person, I mean, how could you not watch this and go, you know, like, like mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? Like, like you said, fuck, as soon as the camera stopped rolling, right. Joseph. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's what this is in real life. Yeah. You know, you said, fuck. Had a swig of whiskey and mm-hmm. punched your wife. That's that's exactly what she did it, that, yeah. because you are mm-hmm. and you know yeah and you're a son of a bitch. You definitely <laughs> you know did all those things that Scott just mentioned. <laughs> Probably. So the the sissy kind of goes away. This yeah. Stereotype and it they start to show more openly gay people mm-hmm. like in the movies, but they're always the villains now. Yes. They have to be doing bad or immoral things. Right. And they always have to pay for them. Yes. You know. They're not allowed to just get away with it or right. just be gay and not be bad. Right. Like, that's another few decades off. Mm-hmm. So They're very predatory. It's just like, yeah, they, they had to be the villains. Yes. That's the only way they would allow it. I don't have any examples. I forgot to write them down. Sorry, No, it's Dave. fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's, but yeah, the, the, the villain role, uh, especially, you know, it, it really took off in the 60s and 70s when the code started to, to you know, be a little bit yeah. eradicated. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it just like... 
taking a villain in a movie in the 70s, it added to the villain's villainy mm -hmm. if they were also gay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in Freebie and the Bean, they show that clip of uh, James Caan beating that guy up in the bathroom. He, the, 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 the gay character mm -hmm. who's like dressed in, in, it's a man in a dress. Yeah. And, and like he's, he's kind of kicking the shit out of James Caan, mm -hmm. and then uh, James blows him away. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, the hero overcoming the, this, 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 mm -hmm. this thing. This otherworldly species that that shouldn't exist, everybody. <laughs> um, man, it's... are they in the men's room? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, at least I think so, uh, because I, I saw a yeah. urinal in there. So yeah, it's yeah, definitely it the, men's the men's room, right? <clears throat> um, like in the early '60s, I think it was 1962. One of the important movies that they they touch on is called The Children's Hour, uh, based on a, a play by Lillian Hellman, and in the film. Shirley MacLaine is in love with Audrey Hepburn, who is engaged to James yeah, Garner. Yeah. Now, I, I say in the film, it was actually, that was in the play. Like, they made it very specific in the play that that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. But in the film, you just see a child tell her parents a secret about what she just witnessed um, Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine doing, which was Audrey kisses Shirley on the cheek, and mm -hmm. that's it. And Shirley looks kind of, you know, like, like she might be enjoying it. Yeah. Um... And later in the movie, I've seen this movie, by the way, and I want to see this. I love Shirley MacLaine uh, and Audrey Hepburn. I know, amazing the, the, too. And they're they're both yeah. really great in mm -hmm. it, but like the the production code isn't allowing the movie to say what needs to be said. Right. Yep. You know, and just like any other movie around that time, from about that mm -hmm. to about twenty years later, um, the gay character must be punished. Yeah. And. They, she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, Shirley MacLaine, you know, tells... She doesn't say to Audrey Hepburn, like, when she has her breakdown, I'm in love with you. She is instead talking bad about herself. She's yep. running herself down saying, I feel... She says, I feel so damn sick and dirty, I can't stand it anymore. Yep. I've ruined my life and I've ruined yours. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... They're dancing around it. Yes. I mean, these feelings are how she's feeling, mm -hmm. but you don't know... She's not saying why at all right you're just supposed to assume i guess yep and Susie bright uh one of the interviewees for the documentary is talking about it and she says you know uh that the movie still like gets to her when she sees it even though it's an old silly movie and who cares people don't really think that way she mm -hmm. says but then i i sometimes it, it gets to her because it's like mm -hmm. sometimes she does have those moments i mean just from from treatment of, by society yeah treatment of the people she knows mm -hmm. um that they, they are always looking at her as an other mm -hmm. and um when you see that in a movie doesn't matter when it was made of course you're gonna feel that way right and they they start this whole documentary by saying hollywood taught straight people what to think about gay people yes and it taught gay people how to think about themselves right like this is how it is. Mm -hmm. This you need to feel this way. You're not allowed to be like these people, or and you can't think about these people this way. You yeah. have to think about them this way. And I mean, if you consider what it, what it would be like for a young person um, in any time in the most um, popular art form of our culture mm -hmm. to go to a, a film and never see yourself up there. In a real way, mm -hmm. if if you are mentioned, it's as the the things that we've talked about, mm -hmm. either as a predator or as you know, just kind of this stock character that means nothing, yep. or your your very existence is talked about in a sinful way. Yeah, and you know, I, I really liked actually at the beginning of the of of the documentary when when they're talking about this issue, and Whoopi Goldberg says, "Join the club, man." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
because <laughs> we're still dealing with that today. Yep, yep. You know, I love Whoopi. Uh, she, she's really great. She's really good in this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she adds a lot to it. And yeah, it, w- whether you're talking about gay people or uh, African American people or mm-hmm. any any you know yeah. like minority, the movies as as magical as 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 I feel that they are, they have been a haven for white heterosexual Christians. Yeah, you know, that's and that's true. just that's just how it's always been. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. And like we said, they always had to have a comeuppance, you know, yes. even if they weren't a villain, they were suicidal or yeah. they were mentally deranged, yes. you know, desperate people. Of course. They, and just like Shirley MacLaine, doesn't she kill herself in that movie? She does. That's how it ends. She does. Because she's thinks of herself as a terrible creature. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not a normal person. Something so, so she's got to kill herself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because um, because God forbid that like Audrey Hepburn would have returned her love. And and even if Audrey had, now they're going to live in the shadows forever. You know, like like are they mm-hmm. can they even be in society? Well, no. The only thing I can do is kill myself because it's 1962 Ugh. and it's a movie, and yeah. it, it's just like, it, and that was just the start of it. I mean, every almost every gay character yeah. ends in suicide mm-hmm. or murder at the end of of the <laughs> film. I mean, it, it would take decades for that to be overcome. Um, it was 1970. The boys in the band. Mm. It was just a bunch of gay dudes being yep. gay dudes. Yes. No one dies. Yes. You know, it was just them. Have you seen this film? I haven't seen it. No. Okay. Um, I've, I've seen it probably double digit times. Wow. Um, it's It was directed by William Friedkin. Okay. That's uh, cool. Yeah. And it was based on Mark Crowley's play that had been running for like five years on Broadway. Uh-huh. And they, they have all the same cast that's in the movie that's in that was in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you watch it today, the w- the second half of it is is certainly problematic. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff in there that, that feels a little bit dated, like attitudes, um, like self-hatred that, uh-huh. that gay men would have felt back then. But Mark Crowley has, you know, like said, look, if, if it was if I was wrong, it was because that was how I was feeling. And that, that was that was what I put into the play. Yeah. Um, but the first half of it, um, I can't remember. It's, it's Barry Sandler, the screenwriter from Making Love, is talking about. Mm-hmm. Like like when he when he first saw Boys in the Band and how he hadn't come out of the closet yet. But for the first time, he saw like a camaraderie amongst, you know, amongst gay men. Right. You know, and, and like everyone belonging to a group. And like you said, no one commits suicide. <laughs> they, they, they definitely savage each other in the second half of the movie and like getting really personal and taking digs and shots at everybody. Uh-huh. But there, no one dies. I mean, that, that's refreshing in and of itself. Right. That's like what real life is like, you know, you don't <laughs> die all the exactly. time. Exactly. Sometimes you just get together and party, you know. <laughs> that, yep mm-hmm. man yeah um and then uh speaking of friedkin in 1980 cruisin came out mm. and we did an episode on that go back and listen to that one yeah, too yeah uh yeah and that one that movie wasn't well received <laughs> no. by the gay community no and we talked about it on our podcast i didn't feel like it was being offensive mm-hmm. but i can see where people are coming from with that yeah especially course. if you haven't even seen the movie which yes. i'm sure most of the people protesting it hadn't right you know uh and that's where like again they the gay community was just shown as like these sick depraved people who just you know murder each other yes and and, and just do the worst vile things mm-hmm. uh so like now like gay people aren't just like crazy they're also like killing people and yep. stuff you know mm-hmm. they're not just you know problems in their brain it's they're out there hurting straight people yes you know the, yes yeah. exactly and, and they're, they're they're trying to convert everybody and, yeah. and they, they they want they want your sons mm-hmm. you know oh um, yeah i mean like that, that that's all they think about it's just it's just you know like <laughs> they're not they're not actually people you know 
They're just out there hunting you. <laughs> God. And, and we can laugh about it, but it's like, it's, it's, it's still, this is still today, of course. I mean, you know. I'm laughing because I'm, of how ridiculous this is. It is. It's absurd to think <laughs> like that. That's, man. I know. And, and that kicks off the 80s, which is a great time for <laughs> gay slurs. We talk about it a bunch. Like, uh huh. All our, all our favorite movies, you know, growing up from the 80s and stuff, they're littered with F bombs. I don't know why. It's just okay. It was just okay. It was worth a, a laugh. Don't tell me you're yeah, no, Teen uh-huh. Wolf. Yeah, yep. that's unwatchable now <laughs> because of that. And and it's, <laughs> I, I guess because our lives were littered with that word. They were. You know. They were. It was everyone saying it. Yep. But was it because the movies were saying it? Then yes, we were saying it because, like you said at the start, with with that opening statement about like the movies, t- like telling us, you know, how to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's we, we grew up on the movies, well, and if everyone, if if Styles is 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 saying yeah. to to Scott, you know, you got to tell me you're a, bl-, you know, yeah. then I'm going to say that on the playground while I'm playing football. Yep. And Tony Curtis even says, you know, he would watch Cary Grant, and that's how he learned how to behave. You yep. know, that's how he learned to talk to women and yep. do and just live how to get dressed at night and how yeah. to order dinner he, right. he got all that from Cary Grant <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> which makes sense yeah and then how many people got how to live from Tony Curtis yeah you know that's right it just keeps going that's right so yeah it's no surprise everyone was saying these things yes Ugh. I know I feel um, terrible because I, I know I'd said it back in the day and yep I remember when I realized how wrong that was yeah. I, I was young and I was like wow I shouldn't say this. And, I, and then I stopped. So you came to that realization as a younger person. I wasn't super young. I was probably in my teens. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't like 10. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't even know if I was saying that when I was 10. So I, I hope I, not. I, I, I hope I wasn't, but I'm sure I was. I'm sure it, it, it a couple of them leaked out. I didn't yep. even know what it was. I didn't even know like what it represented. I just knew that it was a word that you'd use to demean another person. I think I was close to my 20s. Yeah. I think. That makes sense. We, my buddies and I, we watch, would, you know, Bill and Ted. We love those movies, right? Yeah. We're actually going to do those movies soon, folks. Yeah. But there's a couple F-bombs in those. Mm-hmm. And the joke is they hug each other and then call each other that word. That's yeah. the joke. My friends and I used to do that. We'd hug each other and then say that. Uh-huh. And we did that in front of a gay person one time. And everyone at the party was like, what? Uh-huh. And we were like, oh, well, we didn't mean anything. <laughs> we just do it from the movie. And then... You think, well, why Why am I doing that? That doesn't make sense. No. I, stop right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that, that, that that's a good lesson learned, yeah. especially in public like that. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you probably... <laughs> it was embarrassing, yeah. and I felt terrible. Yeah, of course. They were understanding, because we talked about it, yes. but man. Yes, yes. Yeah, that sucked. Well, that, 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 I, guess, I guess it ended okay, but, but yeah, it's definitely an incident that you had to go through. Don't get to that point, no, folks. It's, no. It's wrong. Right. Just don't do it. And then they have the uh, like the a, a montage actually in the film about the use oh, of yeah. the word. Oh yeah, yep. Oh, and it starts with the Teen Wolf thing, and it goes, you know, like the, oh. they show some films that I actually like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's good movies. Yes, <laughs> but it's just a, it's just you know about about a minute long of of people saying f a g in movies and how and Barry Sandler touches on it how like this this word is just used by any character talking to another character. There's no onus put on it. You don't hear, even at that time, yeah. the use of racial slurs had been only in the mouths of villains. Yeah. You know? You don't hear the N-word flying right. around. Right, 
Um, and if you do, it's by it's because of like yeah. they're they're doing something that like to to make you um, hate this character, mm-hmm. you know. And and that's still today. I mean, uh, you know, thankfully, I I think that we're a little bit past gay slurs now. I mean, it, it's way better than it was. I feel like we are. Yeah, I remember in uh, what was the movie? It was uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yep. Who whoever that one the the girl from Destiny's Child was in that. Yes, movie. it was Kelly. Kelly yeah. from Destiny's Child. Yeah. She improved an f bomb. Yes, she did at Freddy Krueger or something like that. She did. Uh, yeah, good, good job there on set. <laughs> Even in the two thousands, it was still going. I mean, that's how people still talked. And and you know about that one in particular, the filmmakers have have like disavowed that they say, "Hey, no, that was on her. She she ad libbed the thing. You guys put it in the movie, right?" Well, what are you talking about? Were you blaming her for it? It, <laughs> it made the final cut. You know what? That's why that movie sucks. I mean, how could you? You know. <laughs> Yeah, what a oh, joke. Man. It is a joke. Um, it's not funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but they, they show that montage, and you're just, like, cringing yep. in your seat. Like, yep. is this montage going to end? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It keeps going. I know. Ugh. And they're showing Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and, like, you know, you hear God, Alec Baldwin. Great movies. Yeah, I mean, he just he just screams at the guys, you know, you hear me, you, you hear me, you fucking, you know, yeah. and, oh. and it's like, wow, man, uh yeah, this is just thrown around. Um, it's tough guy dialogue. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I guess it was just it was just it, I, as much as I've praised the the American cinema, like the American new wave in the seventies. Um, if you go back and watch all these great movies, I mean, all of Bob Rafelson's movies, and you know uh, the stuff that Burt Schneider and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hal Ashby, yeah. These movies, as great as they are, they're littered with this stuff, mm-hmm. and it, it, they they hadn't overcome one piece of prejudice yet. Yep, that was just there, and you know, the French Connection, it's got it in there too. Oh. You know, it, it's 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 all over the place. I know, William Friedkin again. Yep. I know, <laughs> I know. Dude, <laughs> this guy's a troublemaker right yeah, now, isn't he? he, he man? Is. Huh? And 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 William in particular, like like has has been much maligned by the by the community, mainly because he hasn't taken ownership of it. You know, oh really? Like he mm. he he really has you know like defended cruising and and talked about how you know like I mean of course you're going to defend what whatever film you've made yeah but he's never like acknowledged the the stuff that's in that movie is whereas like you know Jonathan Demi after he made Silence of the Lambs yeah. and people were you know like kind of criticizing him and and you know saying how come you have this uh, another yet another gay character right. who has to be killed in the end and and has to be shown as a you know a mindless killer. Um, he actually did listen, you yeah. know, and he 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 understood that, that okay, maybe what I'm doing is contributing to a bigger problem. So he made Philadelphia his next yeah, movie. Yeah, there you go. You know, mm-hmm. um, he showed that he was sensitive to these things. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Yes, they kind of end the documentary talking about Philadelphia because yep. I mean, well, that was ninety one, ninety three, ninety three. Okay, so that came out right before this documentary was right. probably started on yes. in production. So. Yes. That, that's kind of the cutoff point, I guess. Right. Uh, when n- the new queer cinema is starting to come out. Right. And uh, you get Tom Hanks. He's interviewed in this film, actually, yeah. too, which is pretty cool. Yes. It's a 1995 Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> and he's even saying, like, you know, people wouldn't listen to this stuff, but, oh, you cast good old Tommy Hanks in it, and, <laughs> and they're going to listen. Yes. And I'm like, exactly. Tom Hanks will follow you. You know, we will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> We so, talked about yeah. it on like the Secret of My Success <laughs> yeah. episode with like Michael J. Fox, Harrison uh-huh. Ford, and Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, like, and you throw maybe like Will Smith and Denzel in there. Yeah, and Denzel's in Philadelphia, of course. Yeah. So you put Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, two of the most trusted American males, mm-hmm. in a movie, and you're asking 
a very mainstream audience to sympathize of of a gay man dying of AIDS, mm-hmm. which would have been unheard of. Certainly, it seems impossible that it would have been unheard of, but in 1993, it is. Mm-hmm. Like this is still very brand new, and you know you you got to give it up to to all the people who were involved in this film mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and even the exhibitors who, who greenlit the project, who, who put it out there in your local mall mm-hmm. um, telling you to uh, not, as he said, not be threatened by this man's presence, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, which was, it, it's very admirable and, and it still holds up as a really great movie when you watch it again. Uh, because it, it touches I seen on, it a long time. Yeah, I, I saw it maybe a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I just remember really enjoying, you know, all the stuff that's in it, and especially that one scene where where, where Andy is like uh, talking about the opera, um, like he's talking to Denzel's character. Yes, and, and like the ca- that camera is great in that wow. scene. Yeah, yeah, just follows mm-hmm. him around the apartment yep. as he's talking about like the the plot of the opera that he's listening to. Yep. Oh, it's so it's so really good. it's so passionate. Yes, it's, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie it is it's so good it's so cool i know now i want to watch it again <laughs> um and like the the movie this documentary ends with them saying it remains to be seen a movie where the gay hero lives yeah even, i know the, i know really because even man. even philadelphia that he doesn't dies. happen he, he he dies and even though we're we're sympathizing with them as the protagonist, it still had to end that way. Mm-hmm. He couldn't just, you know, Andy and Miguel couldn't just, you know, like kind of live. He gets the cocktail, he gets AZT, and he's able to live for another 20 years. Right. You know, that can't happen. Nope. Um, thankfully, we, we have that. It's a little, it's it's quite a bit better today. Yeah. But, but there's still a lot of work to do. And I remember, too, that like when they were, uh, they, they went over the movie uh, Making Love from 1982. Oh, yeah. With Harry Hamlin and Michael on Keen. Now I've seen this movie and it's not great, but it, it is it is very it's a lot more fearless than other films from that era uh-huh. in just portraying two men you know falling in love. Mm-hmm. They, like they have uh, an actual sex scene mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's fairly explicit. Um, but there's still a disclaimer before the film starts. Right. You see that yeah. red background with the you know like 20th Century Fox is is about oh, to show you this. And it sucks. It's I mean, like it's <laughs> it's like they're. Showing you Frankenstein, you of know, course. the audiences are not prepared for this. We must warn them. I mean, imagine watching Call Me By Your Name and seeing this <laughs> disclaimer, you know, before the movie starts. Right. I mean, how shit would that be? Just so you know, this movie is about gay people. Yes. Uh, sorry, straight people. That's the disclaimer. You're going to see two men kissing each other and, <laughs> and we know how gross that is. But sit with us because you know it's you might learn something. Disgusting or hilarious. Yes, one of the two. Wh- which, whichever yeah. you know, whichever you feel, and and like comedy Daniel... or fear, pick one. Ugh. And Daniel Melnick, who was one of my favorite interviews in the movie, he was talking about like the making of Making Love, and and he's like showing the the new boss at the studio the rough cut of the movie, and this guy, right, this, yeah, this you know shit kicking asshole uh, gets up you know twenty minutes in and says you made a goddamn you know mm-hmm. f movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the I guy mean, brought his daughters and yeah. his wife to the screening. Yep. Yep. And he's shifting in his seat and, and, and he's getting really uncomfortable. And then when the two guys kiss, that's it. He you know? stands up. Yep. You made a goddamn. Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I... <laughs> Man. People. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where the documentary ends. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, anything else you want to talk about? I guess also just like when you're when you're making a, a documentary about the movies, it's not going to really be um, anything that people are going to want to see unless you're being able to show the clips of those films you're talking about. Yeah. And that can get expensive. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, didn't even think about that. Right. Jeffrey Friedman and Rob Epstein, 
Um, they they didn't have the money that they needed to purchase those clips. It was some ridiculous number. I mean, like like ten thousand dollars per you know every ten seconds or whatever yeah. it was. And so they called up one of their friends, Howard Roseman, uh, who was who, who was credited as one of the producers of, of the film. Mm-hmm. His main role in the making of the movie was getting these clips. He had been working in 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 production for a long time so he knew a lot of people mm-hmm. he got out his rolodex and just went through it and just called every studio head that he knew and asked can we have these clips for free mm-hmm. and he explained the making of the movie and like what it was about what it was based on mm-hmm. and like what something that gives me hope for humanity all of the studio heads to a man said yes nice just like without any convincing they said yeah take them they're, they're yours um except for samuel goldwyn oh okay yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he didn't want he did not let them have the clips. So there was a lot of stuff that that didn't make it into the movie. Okay, um, you know there there was a movie about Hans Christian Andersen starring Danny Kaye that that, that uh, like Sam Goldwyn specifically said Danny Kaye is my best friend. You you're not gonna you know smir- you know smear him or whatever. And it was like oh, oh come uh, on. Look, we're not saying that that Danny Kaye is homosexual. We're saying that like Hans Christian Andersen historically we we from the records we can see that he was and mm-hmm. that the, the the movie changed that. That's why we're showing the clip. Didn't matter. No. Nope. 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 Don't want to be in no goddamn nope. F movie. Nope. Oh, and Char- people. Uh, uh, Charlton Heston also refused to be interviewed for the film. He was supposed to be, you know, oh, like, oh God. he was supposed to talk about Ben Hur. Yes. Um, I know. love that whole part on Ben Hur. <laughs> With so Vidal. Good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It shows I'm like, all right, now we're not going to tell Chuck <laughs> about the gay subtext here. You just do your thing and, and he'll just pretend it's a normal scene. He won't even know. And like, <laughs> They're showing the clips of them like drinking wine with yeah. their arms crossed. Stephen Boyd with the, Stephen yeah. Boyd's there staring <laughs> them in the eyes, and like we know this now, this context here that Charlton Heston doesn't know, and we're like, oh my god, that's hilarious. He's so oblivious. It's it's funny. I mean, Stephen Boyd is looking at Charlton Heston with these like just you know mm-hmm. like big wet eyes, and like Chuck has no clue. He doesn't know what's going on. They're like, no, we're not telling him. No, nope. we're not telling him. William just, Wyler, just, just do it. Yeah, no. he, he, he's, he's. I guess William Wyler told Grove Adal, okay, tell Stephen Boyd about what you're thinking, but but don't tell Chuck. He said he'll fall apart. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I'll handle him. You know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and then they show those clips, and we know this now, and yes. it's, it's just as funny. It, it, it's it like, becomes. Look at how they're both acting the scene now, and see. <laughs> You can see that he's thinking this, and, yes. and Chuck's oblivious. Yes. It's great. It, it is so cool, and and like and Gore Vidal is one of my favorite interviews in in mm-hmm. the whole movie. I mean, like his his t- talking about Ben Hur when he talks mm-hmm. about suddenly last summer, uh, that that movie with Mon- Montgomery Clift and Liz Taylor and Catherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. where he talks about Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah, because yeah. all of Tennessee Williams stuff was 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 like bastardized by the kind of got to the screen. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, it's still good though, which it is, is great because the material is so mm-hmm. rich that that you. But you just in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof that they, they couldn't say that uh, like you know Paul Newman couldn't be nope you know fiddling around with a dude. That's right. So, so Brick couldn't be in love with Skipper. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know. Instead, he just he's not having sex with Liz Taylor because he's I guess got a broken leg. I okay. mean, it's still a great movie, but but it would have been much better. That, that, you know, that sentence makes no sense. <laughs> And I put a period on it. I realized, yes, that, that how is that a movie? He's like, definitely you know. gay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, what do you rate this movie? Um, well, I, I rate it four stars. Um, I like it. I give it three stars. Okay. Uh, I think I like the other documentaries we did better. Okay. Like Crumb is excellent. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
uh, and uh, what we do, the Donkey Kong one. Yes, King that, of Kong. King of, right. King of Kong. Those were good. Those are more exciting, kind of interesting films. This is very interesting, too, because it's film history, and yes. I love that stuff. Yes. Um, but I still feel like it's regular documentary, mm-hmm. but it's just a real, it's a good one. So. Yeah, and, and this is this is kind of a different weird genre of documentary, kind of like unto itself, where you have like talking head interviews interspersed with clips from movies. Yeah. And that's just kind of a good time. But mm-hmm. yeah, Crumb is a masterpiece. It is. So it, it's it's way, way different. Yeah. Go listen know? to our podcast on those too. Those were good episodes. Right. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, three stars, good movie. Yes. And that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, rate it, review it, most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes and if you don't use apple Podcasts, you can use better things to get us so right. <laughs> uh find us anywhere you can find a podcast or go to dudesonmovies.com and you find anything you need right there yeah and we're on facebook twitter and instagram look for dudes on movies and our email address is dudes at gmail.com drop us a line uh-huh and we've also got our voicemail which is 304-804-DUDE so call us with your answer to the question of the week. What's the question of the week, Dave? Uh, the question of the week, what is your favorite movie about the movies? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a documentary. Yep. Uh, it could be anything you want. Right. So find a good one and let us know. Call us in, 304-804-DUDE. And stay tuned next week. We'll be doing 1990's The King of New York, directed by Abel Ferreira and starring Christopher Walken and a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't talk about who yep. we'd mentioned. Uh, but, Larry uh, Fishburne Larry is Fishburne's yeah. in it. Wesley right. Snipes is in it. Yep. So uh, stay tuned for that. Until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Yeah.